Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Wood Talk. Now here are three guys who love the smell of shellac in the morning. Mark, Shannon, and Mad. All right, it's Wood Talk number 399 for July 17th, 2017. On today's show, we're talking about should you bottom out your tenons, plywood potato chips, and plywood workbench. But what about a plywood workbench? There's no punctuation or anything to let me know where that's going. Stay tuned to find out. Oh, oh it's a teaser. <laughs> I love wow. it. Very nicely done, Carmona. Uh. Uh, I want to mention that today's show is sponsored by Brusso Hardware. Be sure to check out Brusso's Photo Extra newsletter. It's a weekly update from Brusso dedicated to customer-submitted photos. Brusso's customers work on detailed projects including ring boxes, humidors, keepsakes, gun boxes, and furniture. It's an excellent source of inspiration for your next project. The newsletter is short, quick, has great photos, and it's delivered right to your inbox. So go sign up at brusso.com slash photo extra. That's all one word, brusso.com slash photo extra. We'd also like to thank some folks who helped us out over on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash woodtalk. Lee Corboy, Carl Regan, Corey Ward, Antonio Ramos, and Bryce Dexter. Thank you so much, guys. We really appreciate the support. And if you help us out, you get some cool little kickbacks in return. And we also mention your name at the top of the show, make you famous. So that's a lot of fun. So again, check it out. It's patreon.com slash woodtalk. And I do want to mention very quickly, we just started, and by we, I mean me, a Instagram Wood Talk account. <laughs> and I'm still not sure why, but here, here's the last couple of weeks. We've been getting a lot of photoshops and just funny images or like I've been inclined to post things like, I don't know, the check that I sent to Cremona because it had <laughs> like a funny thing on it. So little things like that. And I'm like, none of this is really appropriate anywhere else. It's very Wood Talk specific. <laughs> Anywhere at all. (laughs) Anywhere at all. Technically, it's not even appropriate for Wood Talk. Uh, It's really just a waste of time is what it is. Oh, (laughs) man. So I figured, hey, why not? Let's start this, you know, Instagram thing. And if we have something goofy or funny or relevant to the show, we'll post it. Can't promise it's going to be useful. I can promise it's going to be stupid. So... It's just going to be a channel of, of screenshots of, of the Skype conversations. Yeah, that. And people always want to know, like we talk about, we reference all the time our text string. So if there's like something funny specifically in the text, maybe we'll screen cap oh that, <laughs> put Uh-oh. it up there. Oh boy. Watch what you say, guys. Uh-oh. <laughs> Actually, I think I'm the one who would get in the most trouble with, with. Yeah, uh, I'm more worried about you. <laughs> if we went public <laughs> with some of the crap that, uh, that I'm typing away there. So anyway, check that out on Instagram and those will also post to Twitter. If you follow us there, um, that's fine too. Okay, so let's get to what's on the bench. I am still plugging away at these chairs, just not getting a whole lot of shop time to uh, get into it, but it's it's coming along slowly. So I'm working on the crest rails and the backrests now, and uh, then I'll be moving on to, well, sculpting the shape of the backrest, doing some of the joinery, and um, hopefully we'll be done with that one soon. But probably not, because you know what? I'm going away for a few days, 
and that's going to slow me down. So uh, Wednesday, well, Tuesday, I leave for Vegas. Wednesday, all day, I'll be at AWFS. And then Thursday, we're flying back home to get home to the kids. And uh, it should be a pretty awesome day. Uh, I know, Cremona, you're going as well. Do you have anything specific planned? Any events that you are going to? I'm going to be going to the Wood Whisper presentation and the meet and greet afterwards. Great, I'm going to have a heck it'd be really fun to meet him and tell him how he's influenced my life. Yes. Also negatively. I'll sign stuff for you if you want to bring it. (laughs) I'll bring you some checks. <laughs> yeah, <there you> go. <laughs> <laughs> some blank checks. That'll be good. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. So, awesome. so well Cremona, done, yes, very well done. Um, Cremona will be there. I'll be there. I'm going to be busy with <laughs> sessions and stuff, but I'll try to be walking the floor as much as I can. You may even see uh, Matt and I, you know, holding hands and skipping down the, the walkways. You, you just never know at these things. So Long walkway. Yes. There's well, there's a lot of walking to do, which is why we, we're not going to walk. We're going to skip. It's only natural. We should, get like, we should get like golf carts. Or just one. You can grab around that. Or like uh, hoverboards. Oh. It'll be, those be yes. If, I don't know if you guys have tried one of those, but you will fall on your butt like multiple times and probably hurt yourself until you I figure out. I have not out. tried it, but I think that'd be a fun thing for us to try together. <laughs> yes. <laughs> let's do that. <laughs> I uh, anticipate that going well. So, yes, if anyone happens to be going to the show, uh, try to find us. We'll we'll both be there. I think Matt's going to probably be there a lot longer than I am. My primary day is Wednesday. Um, But Matt is taking a little bit more of a leisurely trip, and and we'll be there till what, Sunday? Leisurely, yes. Yes, I'll be coming back on Sunday. (laughs) (laughs) Going to Vegas to have some fun. Nice. Uh All right, so that's that's, uh, it for me. Matt, what do you got going on? Not a whole lot this week. Been trying to get the, the high boy thing rolling along here. Mm-hmm. Trying to get through some of this, I'll say, boring introductory content. Yeah. But essential. It's not boring. It's good. Essential. I'm enjoying watching it. I don't know. It's boring for me. A lot, yeah. of, a lot of boring stuff. A lot of chit-chatting. Well, you're Chatting from the up. YouTube generation. That's to be expected. You don't like talking and information. No. <laughs> the problem I have with it is that I'm the one doing the talking. Oh, okay. And for whatever reason... Like the one I just did about the history or the, the design elements or whatever. Mm-hmm. I have not had so much trouble saying the most simple, basic things in the longest time. <laughs> really? Just certain like, words you're getting hung up on? Like, I mean, the, those videos, they should be quick to make. Like, there really shouldn't be much editing. There shouldn't be a whole lot of, like, messing up. You're just having a conversation about this thing. Right. And I kid you not, it took me two hours to shoot that video <laughs> because... I quit every single time I try to say one line, something stupid comes out of my mouth for whatever reason. Forget what I'm saying. <laughs> it was terrible. Yeah. I'm like, all right, I'm done. I'm going to do something else for a while and come back to it. It was, it was rough, but we're moving along here and I'm trying to get things set up so we can kind of get into some more interesting stuff as quickly as possible. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think these things, <laughs> it's an actual woodworking. Yeah, this isn't like uh, like a Netflix thing where everything is just dumped out at once. We do put them out weekly, so you do have to kind of sit through those, like the ones that are building up the project. Where normally, if you if you have access to all of them at once, you kind of breeze through those and finally get to the the real meat of it very quickly. But it does seem to drag a little bit in those first couple of weeks. But nature of the beast. Yeah, I guess so. But that's about it, really. I'm just kind of trying to get everything. Situated because I'll be at AWFS. I'm leaving Wednesday morning and I'm coming back Sunday morning. So I'm not going to be here doing much anything this week. So I kind of got to get everything situated before I go. Yeah, you do. We got a, we got a video on Friday. So I crank that uh, out. Yeah, it's going to be like that for a while. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Shannon, what about you? Uh, I'm putting the last, well, the the fourth coat of Endurovars on my blanket chest behind me, drying as we speak. Mm-hmm. And I, I got to say, I, I love Endurovar. It is my absolute favorite finish. I've said that for a while, but we've had this conversation about, you know, when you produce content, you kind of feel compelled to do different things and try different finishes. And I kind of don't want to do that anymore. Like... <laughs> Why would I want to change to something else? This works so well. Mm-hmm. And my my general style, if you will, is to compose with the wood and not really play with colors or pigments or anything like that. So I want a finish that's going to give me, you know, a little bit of warmth, but stay as close to the wood as possible. And every time I use this stuff, I'm just blown away, first of all, by how freaking easy it is. But 
like it builds relatively quickly. I finished the second code and I was like, should I go on? And I was like, I got to go on, right? You can't just put two coats of finish on this. So I put the third one on. I was like, man, that looks even better. Now I'm glad I put the third one on. And I just diluted the fourth coat a little bit to make it flow out. And it's like, holy crap, it just gets better every time I apply it. And I don't know, man. I just don't see the need to go anywhere else. So anybody who's listening, you know, what am I missing? what finish do I really need to try? Because the bar is raised really, really high. I've used armor seal. I've, I've used um, all kinds of shellac. I've used lacquer. Um, this just rocks the, the color that I get from it the ease of it. And just how like the, the tiniest bit of sanding with 600 grit between coats and it kind of mellows everything out. And mm-hmm. Oh, it's lovely. It's like butter. I think that's the thing with finishing. It's not, I mean, so many of the finishes we have access to, they do just fine. But if you can find one that gives you the look you want and is, you know, something you can apply successfully, you're done. You don't, you don't yeah. necessarily have to keep searching for different types of finishes. If you have one that works, keep going with it. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. And you buy a gallon of it and then you're kind of stuck with that finish. <laughs> for a little while. <laughs> yeah. Nice. It's too expensive to let that go bad. That is true. Okay. What's new? We got some stuff. And uh, let's see, we got one here from Justin. He says, I haven't done any other research on this guy, but besides being an amazing musician, my eye was always drawn to the craftsmanship and different take on standard guitar building in every video I watched. And this is a YouTube video that I have not seen yet, so I can't really say much about it. (laughs) I'm sure it's pretty good, okay? (laughs) Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Way to to prepare, Mark. Uh, Yeah, I'm good. All right. Well, see, what you have to learn is that while Matt's talking, you can preview videos and things. It works really well. Yeah, but he doesn't talk, so I yeah, there's that no part. <laughs> there is a flaw in so this. So do it really quickly. <laughs> okay. This, this next one comes from Chris. He says, it's a cool video of what the rings on a tree trunk slice sound like um, on a light reading record player. So I, I did check this out, and at first I thought I was listening to um, the Concord Sonata by Charles Ives because it's, it's very similar um, 20th century atonal style cluster music, but um, I, I I was a little skeptical listening to this. So then I scrolled down into YouTube comments, the dark and scary world of YouTube comments. There's a lot of other people calling shenanigans on this. Um, I'm un, I'm uncertain just how accurate it is because there's there's a lot of like where did he establish his like beginning point? There's no frame of reference in this thing and. I don't know. There's just a lot of um, kind of computer-generated compositions that I've also heard because this style of music is a whole whole thing that's been around, you know, since the early 1900s. Um, I don't know. I'm just not exactly sure that that's exactly what's happening. Is the tree trunk is 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 creating tones? So call me a skeptic. So you but think there if might you like be 20th some... century music? Go check it out. It, it's pretty pretty rocking you can't dance to it but it's good <laughs> so you think there might be like some digital f- magic filling in gaps and, and... Uh, yeah it just feels like it it feels like there's a little bit of, of you know <laughs> i don't know tonal sampling or something like that going on and filling in it, it's like in jurassic park where they had to fill in the gaps in the dna with oh, you know frogs frog and stuff. dna yeah yeah that's in order. great analogy that's good yeah i try <laughs> yes you do Next, we have this one from Dr. Alex. It's a little article about Rick Hale. Uh, He even has St. Offerman on the wall. Rick makes these wooden gear clocks. or like wooden clocks. Now, these are pretty popular like a few years ago, maybe like seven years ago. I feel like they were pretty popular. They have like all the wooden gears, and Mm -hmm. it's all made out of wood, and it's like all wound. I started making one of these back in the day, and then I realized that was a pain in the butt. (laughs) And uh, I got a bunch of the gears made, and I never finished that thing. But these are some awesome clocks with like a lot of really cool intricacies in the design. And also he has some really ridiculously big ones. Like yeah, they're huge. Like four feet in diameter or something ridiculous, maybe yeah. bigger than that. Nice. Right. Yeah, they could they could replace the, the clock tower with it when they save the clock tower and keep Marty McFly <laughs> from going back in time. Or back to the future, depending on which one you watch. You know, that's a good question. If the clock tower was struck by lightning, but everything was made out of wood would they have been able to send Marty back? I don't think so. I don't know, but you get that cool like thing where the, the lightning bolts go across the woods. It's all over. <laughs> right. It would look beautiful. That's for sure. <laughs> It'd make a great YouTube video. 
Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> okay, so that's very cool. Big clocks, very neat. Uh, let's get to our kickback here. We've got actually four voicemail kickbacks, so let's sit back and enjoy. First one's from Adam. Hey, Mark, Shannon, and Matt. This is Adam from San Diego. Hey, got a little kickback for you from uh, the last episode. Actually, it's mainly uh, from Mark. Mark, you've spoken in the past about your home in Arizona as home crap home. And after the recent conversation of dehydrated and rehydrated poop, I think we all understand why it was home crap home. In fact, it wasn't so much about Arizona as it was kind of all about you. But that's okay. That's okay. I just wanted to let the people of Colorado know that as soon as Mark decides to stop picking up his dog poop, you too might be considered home crap home. (laughs) Anyway, just kidding. Love you guys, and uh, thanks for the great show. Keep it up. (laughs) Nice. That was great. And you know what? I'll tell you something. My dogs keep crapping on the patio. I have to clean it up like every couple of hours. They're like little poop machines, and how do you ignore it when it's on your patio? You can't. If it's in the grass, you could like, oh, I didn't see it. Maybe Nicole will find it and pick it up. But uh, it doesn't work that way on the patio. Mateo will be old enough soon. Right. We'll see about that. Uh, All right. Next one here is from Colin. Hey, guys. This is Colin, the sweaty guy from Chicago again. Got kickback for you this time. Uh, Mark said that he needed a nickname, and I had some thoughts on that. See, nickname should have several parts. It should reference parts of Mark's character, his love of gaming and woodworking. It should reference how long he's been on YouTube and a part of the community in general. It should be gently and lovingly derogatory, but only slightly. It should be obnoxiously long to say because it was the last nickname that we came up with and we were running out of ideas. So, may I suggest, therefore... The glorious, oily god emperor of YouTube woodworking. I know it's not great, but hey, we haven't heard a lot that's better yet. What do you guys think? <laughs> that's how I want to go. You know, we haven't heard anything better, so let's go with that. Oh, man. Yeah, I'm not sure about that one. All right, let's see. Next one here. Uh, our good buddy Robert DeVries has got to give Shannon a little bit of crap. Shannon, Shannon, Shannon. You of all people, I thought you would have gotten the musical reference when I started out with Joe Walsh. Well, no, guess not. But then again, you didn't know much about fungus, yet you tried to teach us about spalted maple. Then you said you don't know anything about botany, but mm, that's plant life. What are trees? Well, yeah, you're in the lumber business, I guess. I don't know how to think about that one either. Um, I'm just really disappointed, and and I'm a little... uh, I'm kind of broken. I'm kind of broken open. <laughs> just, our emails are getting better and better. Her voicemail. Seriously. We've, we're, this <laughs> is a downward trend right now. It's, it's a show in and of itself. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's good. You know, he's he's from the area that Matt is, right? Not Cremona, yeah. but Vanderlist. Yeah. I noticed there are very specific, and I probably can't even point them out, but it's not even so much an accent. It's inflection in his voice that reminds me totally of Vanderlist. So it yeah. must, must be a regional thing. I can get that. Interesting. Okay, so we got one more here from Kyle. This is Kyle from Plainfield, Illinois, and just wanted to share something with you real quick. So I just bought my first water stone, and I just sharpened a chisel for the first time. And uh, I'm kind of wishing now that, and I know this should be common sense, um, but I, I do wish that someone would have just like mentioned, don't scrape your fingers on the water stone. Because I got seven band-aids on the tips of my fingers right now. And I got blood on everything. It was a complete just mess. So for those of you who have never used a water stone, you've been warned. Thanks, guys. Love the show. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, see, we could have told them that all day long, and he still would have done it. But you're mm-hmm. going to remember it now. See, so we're doing you a favor. Yes. Much more uh, a poignant of a lesson if you actually draw yeah. blood. Yeah, empirical experience. <laughs> Okay, uh, so some more kickback here. This is in text form. Steven wrote in and says, Howdy folks, episode 397. You discussed 
whether you use epoxy to fill the gaps in a cutting board and focused on health effects. I wouldn't use epoxy on a cutting board because it would damage my knives. Wood cutting boards, especially end grain boards, are ideal for knives because they are soft on the edge. A line of epoxy would be a very hard spot in a soft medium. This will concentrate stresses on the knife edge and could ding or nick the blade. It is similar to working wood with very different hardnesses in the early and late stage growth, uh, such as Douglas fir. So there you go. Good point. So what if you're cutting meat and you hit a bone? Well, that's why you don't hit bones with good blades. Oh, okay. Never mind. Continue. (laughs) Like, how do you not cut your finger on a water stone? Don't put Uh, your finger on the water stone. Yeah. Come on, man. Uh, Simple cause and effect, my friend. I told you it's an off day for me today. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well. So this next kickback comes from Keith. Hi, guys. Just this morning, I listened to another woodworking related podcast that you happen to mention in one of your shows Hmm. my first other than yours i strayed forgive me but wow what a difference i won't trash that show but (laughs) listing what i found as shortcomings i don't know that i want to read this (laughs) yeah well how did this even end up in here this is i don't know this is kind of mean he likes what he, he likes what we do and we are good at what we do and i'm glad he doesn't mention what the other show is because Wow. Enough said. Thanks, Keith. We appreciate that. I feel like, I feel like Shannon wrote this and sent this in under, <laughs> yeah. under uh, the, the name of Keith. You think? That's <laughs> my, that's my pseudonym. Hey, I you write, know, we've been doing I write this all my while. Game of Thrones erotic fan fiction under the name Keith. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Actually, is there such a thing? Is there, I mean, isn't Game of Thrones? I was going to say, isn't it already <laughs> at that level? <laughs> Non-erotic Game of Thrones fan fiction. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just dragons, no boobs and dragons. Uh, yeah, I saw we watched the first episode last night and the thing comes up that says brief nudity. And I'm like, brief? What, what show are we brief. watching here? Wow, they're slacking. <laughs> okay, um, Matt, you got the last one. Uh, this is from Peter. It is a nickname. It is Poops McDomino. <laughs> I'm assuming that is for March. <laughs> I actually like that one the best. Poops I wish I was Irish, uh, though. It would make it even even that much better. <laughs> Uh, Poops McDomino. McDomino. <laughs> oh, we're still looking. We'll find one. It'll when it, when it catches, we'll know it. I think that one's winning. That's so far. Yeah. I, I would agree with you. Poops McDomino. Okay, so we've got some voicemail questions here. First one from Matt. Hey guys, this is Matt from Columbia, South Carolina, and I'm just calling in. Rep- Sorry about that. I was watching a video of a guy dancing around his workbench with a saw in his hand. Anyway. I'm Old calling in reference to the Jet 10-inch right um, planer and joiner combo. Uh, I'm new to woodworking, and I've got limited shop space and limited funds, and I thought that this would be a good way to get into something that allowed me to uh, perfectly flatten boards uh, without using hand tools, which is what I've been doing up until now, but I'm not really great at it. Anyway, uh, I noticed in one of the videos that Matt had posted that he had something that looked similar to it, and I was wondering if you guys had any experience on this and if I was going to get uh, any problems out of using something that's only 500 bucks to start off with uh, joining and planing. Love the show. Uh, keep at it, guys. Thanks. Hmm. What do you say about hmm. that, Matt? I had the 8-inch version of that. I had it for a little under a year before I got the big old jointer I have now. Um, I think it's... I know a lot of people like to poo-poo it because it is kind of poo-poo a little bit, but you have to kind of understand what it is and it's not understand what it's not. It's not like a big old stationary jointer. It's got really short beds. It is, doesn't have any way to adjust the tables to be coplanar without some crazy amount of disassembly and shimming in there. But will it get you by until you get something bigger and save you a lot of money on, on lumber? Absolutely. That's how I got to where I am right now. By getting into something like this, which is wasn't much money, I got the floor model at Woodcraft for like 250 bucks, mm-hmm. and I saved enough money in like the first two projects to pay for that anyway. So just keep in mind what it is. You're not gonna be able to joint super long stuff, like anything longer than three to four feet at the most, unless the thing is pretty straight to begin with. It's gonna be pretty difficult to get flat and straight with that thing. But you know, just keep in mind what it is and what it's not. Maybe you're happy, I guess. Yeah, I don't like it. <laughs> I don't care what you like. <laughs> I think it's it is because of what you mentioned, like that lack of adjustability. 
it's going to be so frustrating to use. Like, did, did you not get to points where you just like, I actually am not jointing well, this edge. Look what I have now. Yes. I which shows me to- how you overcompensated because you were so frustrated by it. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to join like eight to 12 foot boards. Yeah, and that thing would just fall over stuff. on the ground. It'd be like, eh, yeah, you no. can't joint a slab on that thing. It would fall <laughs> right over. You got to bolt that thing down. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just uh, when I looked at it, I remember there were parts that were held on with pieces that just had too much flex in them. So even if you had something fairly coplanar with your tables, just the slightest amount of pressure moves it and knocks it out. So it's like it's completely ineffective as a jointer. Planer is not so bad. The planer I think you could probably get by with, but for jointing operations on that thing, man, I just think that would be frustrating. It would be because you have the nice stuff now. Maybe coming coming from yeah. nothing, it's like it's like the I same. Said, it's the same logic. It it's the same it's logic good, as step. you throw a hand plane like an old beat up, out of shape, horribly you know not tuned up at all hand plane and give it to a person and say make some shavings, versus giving them a you know Lee Nielsen that's just been tuned up that's absolutely perfect. Granted, they can tune that one up to get there certainly, but if you throw that in their hands, it's incredibly discouraging for them to be like, well, this thing tears out. What the heck would I ever want to use this for? You know what I mean? So they have to be able to get that tool to work in order to not just be frustrated by the the craft or sort of blame the craft for <laughs> this whole thing sucks because of this one tool. <laughs> I don't know. It's just, but, but you're right. If he's got no other, if he's got no other choice or if that's one way to, to at least get his uh, feet, you know, dipped in a little bit, maybe, but man, it's just going to be frustrating. He's going to hate woodworking. Just understand you're going to hate it. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. If you, if you go into it expecting to hate it, you'll be fine. (laughs) It's a good point. Okay. So we got another voicemail question here from Matt Brown. Hey guys, this is Matt from Columbia, South Carolina, and I'm just calling in rep. What am I doing? Sorry. I don't know. I was like, someone else did the same exact joke. Yeah, what a coincidence. Hey, that's like the fourth person to watch that video. No, the, the next guy's name is Matt as well, and it just confused me. Oh. So, all right, here we go. Hey guys, Matt here in Illinois. Got into woodworking about a year ago, and I've been exploring all the different uh, tools and techniques that are available to me. And uh, recently picked up a fixer-upper, uh, admittedly low to maybe mid-level scroll saw if I'm lucky. Uh, Dremel scroll saw for like 25 bucks. Fiddled around with it, got it up and running. And I've been uh, trying some different, uh, different projects. Recently, I've been working on projects that are uh, people's names. And the way I've been doing it is the bottom of the nameplate is stylized and I'll print off something off my computer, glue it to the wood, cut it out, and then do the same thing with uh, a thinner piece of stock that sits on top of it to make a nice raised look to it. The problem I've been running into is a fewfold. Um, I've been gluing paper down to it using some Elmer's spray adhesive. Uh, the problem, though, is that when the scroll saw blade gets to the end, it starts to pull the paper up, and it starts flopping around, and it makes it really hard to see the line that I'm supposed to cut on, and as a result, my lines get a little bit skewed. But then, more to the point, when I take the paper off, when I'm finally done cutting, there's a lot of adhesive left behind on the wood. And, uh, you know, I've recently on a six inch wide piece of wood that was maybe 32 inches long i blew through three or four sanding pads on my orbital sander trying to get this glue up and it just kept gumming up and you know was flying through them i eventually had to get some really heavy grit um you know like with a sanding block to really gouge into it to get that adhesive off but of course now when i'm trying to paint it well you can see those gouges so my questions are is there a better way to adhere a template to the wood and is there so that it doesn't you know flop around and then is there a better way to get the adhesive off once you do that love the show thanks for everything you do bye okay i have one solution but i don't think it solves both problems uh you can simply put down like masking tape onto the substrate first and make sure you kind of coat the whole surface with it and then put your template on top of that. So your spray adhesive is going onto the tape and then your template goes on top of that. And then when you're done, you just pull, you know, all of the the gooey crap is between the tape and the template. And then you could pull that up and all you're left is maybe with a little bit of tape residue, if anything. I don't think it's going to help him with his edges peeling up, but that would certainly make the cleanup a whole lot easier. You won't have any of that like contact cement rubbery material on your actual substrate material. 
So you guys have any other like suggestions that. beyond that? I was just going to say, like, use naphtha or something and try to remove as much of it as you can with a solvent and then use, like, a, a card scraper. Mm-hmm. Um, because then, no matter what you do, that the sandpaper is going to gum up. I mean, it's going to clog super, super fast, no matter what the grid is. And then if you go too low, you end up with a problem that he had with like massive gouges in the wood. Um, I'm guessing the problem with it, the stuff peeling up is because it's like right near the edge of the board. Mm -hmm. Um, And maybe there's just not enough, not enough, whatever uh, surface area to, to hold the, the wood in. So you could actually follow what you were talking about, Mark, you know, you've got the tape on the bottom. How about tape the actual edges like over the corner? Mm-hmm. Um, so that you've got kind of a little extra reinforcing that folds over that edge over the corner. And then, you know, whatever it is, that last quarter of an inch or whatever, you may have to kind of draw that in, draw, redraw your lines in or whatever, but you've got kind of a double layer that uh, bridges the gap, if you will, between the edge of the pattern and the edge of the wood, hmm. or just make your pattern a little bit longer and spray around the edge and actually fold the pattern around the board, maybe even go all the way around to the opposite face. That would probably give you a little bit more um, surface area to grab onto. I wonder if it's pulling up because it's near the edge or if he's just saying as he's cutting, it tends to want to pe- like pull it up. You know what I mean? As he's yeah. severing and cutting through, maybe it's pulling on both sides. But that's just an adhesive issue, I would imagine. You know? Yeah, maybe maybe try a different adhesive or <clears throat> put more on. I mean, some of those mm-hmm. do really well when you apply it to just one face. Others require you to apply it to both the bottom of the template and the wood itself. Um, so it could be some of that. It, that's always kind of a pain because the paper template like curls up and everything. Yeah, and you've got totally. to be really quick there. But I don't know. I, I think I think strengthening with blue tape because as we know, blue tape solves every problem. In the it wood really does. Yeah. Okay. Next one here is from Ryan. Hey guys, this is Ryan calling from Maine, the land of Shannon's illustrious secondary home. I have a quick question about figured wood, uh, and since one of you mills your own lumber, one of you works at a lumber yard, and one of you plays a lot of video games, the three of you seem like good folks to ask. Uh, what exactly during the growth process causes figuration, and is there any way to identify whether a tree will have figure just by looking at the exterior? Uh, I've seen examples in my firewood pile where you could see figure underneath the bark, but is there anything you can see while the bark is still on to indicate some figure? Uh, I've tried reading about this in various places, but I invariably end up more confused than I did at the outset. I really enjoy the show, and thanks for all that you do. Take care. Nice. All right, who wants to tackle this one? Ow, major thunderclap. Ah, scary. Yeah, you can see figure. I mean, Mark, our Mark, what, what's your name? Harry Giggler. Matt, ask oh, me. I don't play video games. Oh, that guy. Oh, You've yeah, got a lot know. more experience looking at bark um, in log form. Woof. But, I mean, I know that, I guess it depends upon the species, right? But you can generally see the wave and the curl in the bark. You know, really, actually, I'll say my experience is the opposite. Really straight bark tells me I've got really nice straight grain underneath. Yep. Matt's nodding, by the way. For those of you listening, Matt hasn't figured out this is an audio-only show. He's still learning. He's new. There's both, okay? There's a video stream now. Okay. Thank so you. So for those of you listening, Matt doesn't care about you. He only cares about okay. you. Okay. I like where this is going. This is fantastic. <laughs> Absolutely fantastic. Wow. Anyway, so yes. Uh, and a few of my slabbing videos, I kind of go through the log before we cut it up. My point on some of the areas on the surface of the log that will kind of translate into figure once the board is cut. Uh, curl is pretty easy to see. You can see that kind of undulating in the bark most of the time. Um, curl, you can also find that especially underneath the limb. So that's compression figure. Same kind of look, though. But you can see the the, uh, the bark and the, the wood undulating underneath there. Um, maple trees, sometimes you can see... The bark forms more of an X pattern as opposed to a straight uh, pattern with the bark. And the X's are usually indicative of the the fibers underneath doing some, something weird. So there's that as well. It's just kind of like the most weird things. Like the weirder the, the bark looks, the weirder the tree looks, chances are the more figure there is in there. Like yeah. when you look at like a burl from the outside, it really looks very distorted and messed up. And then of course the material inside is amazing looking, but it is really jacked up and that's kind of what Mm -hmm. makes it look so cool. Yeah. And I think finding a tree without figure, like the nice straight grain 
looking at that kind of gives you a baseline to go, oh, okay, that tree, as Mark said, is jacked up. Because look at how uh, curly that bark is as compared to like the normal, quote, normal straight grunting. Straight grunting? Straight running. Mm -hmm. Straight grunting. I just went Long Long Island there for a second and (laughs) put a hard G at the end of that. Um, Yeah, as far as, didn't he ask why? Like why does figure form? No. But why don't you tell us? Good, because I, I don't think there's I don't think people actually know on a lot of instances. I think it's tension wood and compression wood, as Matt said. But you know, sometimes it's it, it's uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like healing, like as it goes around a wound or something like that, or mm-hmm. um, fungal infections, bug infections, all kinds of stuff that can cause it. But um, <clears throat> I read something about bird's eye being an infection that results in bird's eye maple. But I've also read counter account saying you're full of it you want to be botanist <laughs> with, um, with birds i've only the one thing i've heard to would like make that form is that the tree grown under a lot of stress yeah that would make sense that's, that's the one i heard so like really poor ground condition like it's growing like on a rock that kind of stuff hmm. that's supposed to increase the likelihood that it's got bird's eye interesting but, you know it's one of those goofy things it's like it, who knows? Yeah. Unless it's a compression figure, it's pretty much whatever. If we knew, then people would start like artificially creating figured wood, and then figured wood would lose all meaning. It's true. And then some species are just more prone to it. There's that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some species it's are cool wacky. I wouldn't, wacky. I wouldn't mind seeing, like, I don't know, a plantation farm of bird's eye walnut. <laughs> That'd be nice. <laughs> You ever seen bird's eye walnut? A couple, oh, man. Only a couple times. Oh, That's why I want to awesome. have a whole farm of it. Yeah, I got a block of that somewhere around here. It's pretty. Yeah, it's good stuff. <laughs> All right. Well, if you want to send us a voicemail, you can do that. Just use your voice memo app on your device and send it to woodtalkonline at gmail.com and we'll play it on the show. We will play anything and everything, including this. Yes, sir. Ooh, Industry update. Oh, 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 okay, this week from the lumberyard. Um, <clears throat> this is actually inspired by a couple people. I've had the question about African mahogany in the past, and basically the the theme is always like, "What is wrong with my African mahogany?" Or you know, well, what's the deal, what's the with, deal African mahogany? with African mahogany? With African mahogany. And then Jerry wrote in and it kind of reminded me of something. And actually, I think he wrote in trying to ask Matt this question, but uh, I stole it. So. Um, <laughs> Great. No wonder I could find a good question this week. <laughs> which, which I do find funny because Jerry's asking Matt a question about going to a lumber yard to pick up roughs on lumber. And as oh, we yeah. all know, what would he know, Matt knows nothing about that. So there once. Yeah, one time. So Jerry says, they never really thought about before until I picked up some roughs on lumber this past week. I noticed numbers stamped on a few pieces and the ends um, of some painted different colors. Can you tell us what these mysterious markings might tell the logger slash seller slash buyer? So this relates back to the African mahogany. And I tend to to, I call African mahogany Kaya. That's the genus um, because I hate calling it African mahogany because it has so little to do with mahogany. Um, You can have a love or hate relationship with it. And that's because um, most people know it as a conglomerate species. There are hundreds of different species in the Kaya genus that are marketed as African mahogany. Uh, Depending on where it grows in Africa, the range is enormous, but they're all different species. You know, the Senegal stuff is Kaya Senegalensis. The Ivory Coast is Kaya Ivorensis, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and some of them are better than others, and some of them are exported more than others. But they're still felled over enormous distances, and they all end up traveling to basically one of two ports in West Africa and shipped out from there. So they kind of all get, like, jammed together at the port and repackaged in containers and things like that. So you've got a container of maybe 30,000 board feet of African mahogany, and there could be 12 different species crammed in there. So, and I hate to say it, but like with the exception of maybe two or three of those species, the rest of them just crap, like really, really low density, heavily interwoven, 
kind of rowy grain with lots of punky soft stuff in it that if you've ever had a bad piece of African mahogany, you know what I'm talking about. It tears out when you look at it wrong and it the color is all over the place. It's usually really, really light. You put finish on it and it it doesn't blotch. It almost it like falls apart. It's just terrible, terrible stuff. And you can't get it to smooth out no matter what. But then you get like really good African mahogany, like the Ivory Coast stuff or the Senegal stuff. And it's just a joy to work. And oftentimes it can be confused with genuine mahogany, which is where the whole African mahogany thing comes from. But it's such a rare thing to run into consistency. So if you go to your lumber yard and you're digging through the African mahogany racks, you probably are looking at eight to nine different species. And if you're lucky enough that there are colors painted on the ends, and again, that's just end sealing. That's all it is, is a, is a latex paint to, to slow down the drying. But every mill is going to use a different color scheme, or in some instances, every exporter will use a different color scheme because some of the mills ship it to the port from the forest, you know, without any in painting done on it, just sawn into boards, and they will often seal it at the port. Those different colors will mean absolutely nothing to you. You know, you can learn the different colors and which impo- um, exporter it comes from, but that won't tell you anything. Thing, but it will tell you that more than likely, more than likely, there's a greater percentage that that's going to be the same species if you're getting the same colors picked on the end. Likewise, the number stamped on the end, um, they can refer to a lot of different things. Uh, they can refer to lots. They can also refer to chain of custody numbers dependent upon the, the, the mill. So regardless of what that number is, if you can find matching numbers, you have a better chance that that probably came out of the same log or if nothing else certainly is the same species because it was felt within the same concession. So there's every chance that it's going to be a similar species. There are certainly concessions that cross regional boundaries and you'll get different species in the same concession, but that's much, much rarer than the, the example of it being a single species. So look at those colors and play like the pretty matching game and try to get all the boards with the same pretty paint on the end or the same markings on the end. And you'll end up with actual A species of, of African mahogany. <laughs> nice. No guarantees, though. It's kind of crazy how many different species of African mahogany are out there. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Okay, let's get into our emails. Got one here from Wayne. He says, I have a question about mortises. I'd like to ask the experts. Since I don't know any, I thought I would ask you guys. <laughs> well done. Do tenons need to bottom out, or should the mortise be a little bit deeper than the tenon would reach to allow for glue puddling, small pieces of debris, shoulder ceiling, seating, etc.? Uh, by the way, love my drill press mortise attachment. Other than mounting the yoke, I find no difference from a dedicated mortiser. By, by the way, way... Love the show. Only wish it were longer and a new episode every day. Wayne. Well, oh, that would be a lot of work. I don't, I don't wish okay. that. No, that'd be rough. <clears throat> okay. Uh, what's, what's our Patreon number for that? Uh, an every day. $50,000. I was, I was going to say 55, but you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm greedy for the daily wood talk show. Who baby. That'd be a lot. Um, okay. So bottoming out the, the tenon in the mortise, you know, this may vary depending on who you ask. For me, I don't really think it matters that much in terms of strength. Most of your strength from that joint is coming from the, the cheek of your tenon meeting up with the inside wide faces of the mortise. So if you bottom out or if you don't bottom out, it's not really going to impact the strength very much. But you are forcing a lot of glue. I think he's kind of, you know, he, he, he almost has the answer to his own question here because he's stating all the reasons why you would want to leave a little bit of a gap there if there's any debris glue squeeze out you just have to have a place for some of that stuff to go so i wouldn't put like a giant gap down there but if there's a 16th or a 30 second gap that's fine because what i usually find is after you do a dry assembly and everything's good you put some glue on there and suddenly if you are forcing tons of glue and there's just not any room for it to go you may not be able to close that joint together and get those shoulders to be nice and flush uh, all the way around if you have it just kind of like if it's a real piston fit it's going to be really difficult to get that thing in there so for me, I like to leave a little bit of a gap. I'm not scientific about it. It's just a, just a little bit, you know, 16th at the most, most likely. And I uh, have never had any negative problems as a result of it. What he said. Thank you. Ooh. Shoulder seating is important. It is. That's what you see. It's all that matters. Yep. Are you done? Moving on. I'm not talking anymore, so I must be. I done. don't know what you're doing over there. <laughs> yes, you do. You're watching. You kind of do, actually. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what an amateur! <laughs> All right, this next one is from Rory. I, I have commitment issues. Right 
Keep going. I'm trying to answer a question. Ignore, Shannon. ignore him. You have to keep going. Ah. <laughs> uh. Okay, I have commitment issues. I have a workbench. It's a sheet of three-quarter inch plywood over a two-by-four frame. It is time to upgrade to a better bench, but I doubt that I'll, be able, that I'll be able to get it right the first time, so I want to build a bench on the cheap. To keep the initial investment low, I decided to build it out of two-by-fours. I went to the local big-box store and sort of bought, sorted through the two-by-four inventory. The stock was either too crooked or had too many knots. I looked at the two-by-eights and four-by-fours, and they had the same issues. Looking for an alternative, I stumbled across a stack of poplar plywood. Per cubic inch of usable wood, it would only be 10% more expensive than 2x4s. Uh, we glue up strips 3.5 inches wide to make a 3.5 inch thick surface. What do you think about a plywood? What do you think about plywood as a cheap alternative for a workbench? Is this a good compromise? I say go for it. Other than the fact that it's going to be a little more glue up kind of stuff. Because you have like half as thick material, you have a little more glue-ups to do. I don't see an issue with it. it. Might be a little softer, maybe, but it's a workbench, and you say it's a stepping stone, so I don't think it matters. I think go for it. It'd be look, it would look cool as long as you don't have too many voids in that plywood. It should look pretty cool. You know, good deal. I sure, know. I like yeah. it. Nothing wrong with that. Do it. We've all had I mean, plywood isn't that, benches. Isn't that all laminated workbenches? It's just really, really thick plies. <laughs> right. Yes. Well, <laughs> it's a good way to look. I just happen to have two-inch thick plies in my plywood workbench. With the plywood, you got the cross-grain situation thing there, so we may even have more stability, possibly. Mm-hmm. Shannon, it's not quite the same, but, you know, <laughs> you got some end grain in the top. You got some end grain presenting itself in the top of your workbench. You know, it might be a little uh, different. I'm getting a stern talking to from that. <laughs> I love it. I don't think you understand what plywood is, Shannon. <laughs> no, I really he don't. He probably doesn't. Yeah. He doesn't have I really experience. don't, which is why this question is about plywood. Oh, <laughs> man. <laughs> Thank you, Matt, for setting that up so beautifully. You are this comes... so incredibly welcome. Let me try <laughs> to talk over you while you try and answer this. Okay. Good luck with that. I, this I'm comes from Stephen. Uh, Stephen uh, dropped this on our Patreon page. So thank you for being a patron, Stephen. Uh, I recently built a large storage cabinet for a friend that was four foot by six foot by 21 inches deep with doors. In an effort to keep the cost low and the weight down, I built everything out of half inch Baltic birch ply. I live in California. The weather is hot and dry. Plywood doors I made potato chipped badly. Is this normal for high quality plywood? Was the plywood I used too thin for such large doors? Well, there's possibility that it could be too thin, certainly. Um, but what the, the thing that jumped out at me on this is he's talking about using Baltic birch plywood. And then he asks, is this normal for high-quality plywood? Baltic birch is not high-quality plywood. Um, that may be the first issue right there. Uh, if you look at the grading system of plywood with A being the best face and 1 being the best back face, most plywood, Baltic birch plywood or shop-grade plywood is about a D3 the really good stuff might be a C2, maybe a C3 grade. So um, you're dealing with a little bit lesser grade of the wood going into it, into the veneers, possibly a little bit less um, uh, high quality in the glue, things like that. But the more important issue is, is Baltic birch is kind of a generic name that we use. And there's a bunch of different manufacturers that make baltic birch basically anything anywhere near the baltic sea is considered baltic birch but russian birch is pretty much the best stuff that's out there that i would consider to be a higher quality shop grade plywood so if you're buying baltic birch it's you kind of want to know where it came from if it came from like the ukraine or poland or there's probably a Polak joke in there somewhere but can't think of it off the top of my head um finnish birch Great stuff. But that, again, is going to be a much, much higher um, higher cost, higher grade of, of, of species. So, you know, you might be able to get away with a half-inch thick door. That might be a little bit too thin, but it also probably was just the quality of the plywood that you bought. Um, this stuff is usually meant for carcasses in cabinets where there's a lot of screws holding it into the box shape and a lot of screws holding it into the wall behind it, really restraining a lot of that movement. When you take a door like that that is not restrained other than by the hinges and has gravitational forces on it, yeah, it's probably going to do bad stuff. Sorry. Hmm. Bad news. Wah, wah. Okay. So what do we have for the extra coming up? 
Uh, I think we were talking about books. Books, books that's right. Intermediate and advanced books that okay. we might recommend. So we go do watch have Mark's the, uh, rant about it. You want me to rant about books? I think it's go watch your rants and we can call oh, it a day. Yeah, but those are more beginner books. I like this question, though, because he brings up a good point. Let's, let's not talk about it now. What are you doing? Save this. Mark, Mark likes a good book burning, basically. I, do. I really do. And a good bra burning as well. Um, oh, boy. Yeah, I'm into that. It's important for freedom. Uh, as long as okay. they take them off first, that would be. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, so the email extra is coming up. If you are a $4 or higher patron, patreon.com slash woodtalk, you can get access to that. We do one for every show. So each week you'll get an extra little piece of content there. Um, if you want to help support the show, you can do that. Head to iTunes and leave us a review in the iTunes store. Uh, you can buy a t-shirt at twwstore.com. And again, I mentioned Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash woodtalk and uh, sign up for one of the reward levels. We really appreciate the support. And Shannon, why don't you give them the contact info and we'll get out of here. Cool. If you have comments, questions, or topic suggestions, or just want to meet up with Mark and Matt in Vegas and ride their hoverboard for two or four (laughs) or six, it's kind of like a clown car hoverboard. How many people can get on the hoverboard? You need to reach out to them now because it's happening soon. So send us a voicemail. Use their voicemail app. Send that to woodtalkonline at gmail.com. Use our fancy contact form at woodtalkshow.com slash contact. Or just go to the website at woodtalkshow.com. Go to this episode and leave a comment at the bottom. And we're on Facebook and apparently on Instagram now. So yeah, we are. go there for, for laughs. I don't, I don't know what that is. Instagram slash woodtalk. Woodtalk probably. show. Woodtalk show. All okay. one word. Wow. Yep. Way to keep with the branding. Instagram.com slash woodtalkshow. Go there and we'll see what Mark puts on there. Neither Matt nor I can be held responsible for what goes on that channel. <laughs> the first it's, image is a picture of Nicole and I holding a newborn baby Cremona. Yeah, yeah. that's adorable. He's so that cute. was a good surprise this morning, by the way. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah, you guys I was like, what talk show tag you in a post? And then all these people comment on a post you tag. I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> what would even be up there? Yeah. It's, like, we don't have a wood talk show Instagram page. Yep. It's what is awesome. going on? I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> Yeah, it's good stuff. So check it out, people. Uh, Thank you for listening, and we will catch you next time. See you. Bye. Goodbye to you. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.